0: That, to me, is the opposite of good, exciting, watchable, right? No team is going to get away from one another. Yeah, it's going to be wet and miserable, but so is Conor. So is Conor. generally wet and miserable. Wow. OTB AM. Live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB
1: AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I was
0: joined on the line now by Gaelic football referee David Goff as part of Supervalue's Community Includes Everyone campaign. It's now in its 13th year of supporting the GA All Ireland Senior Football Championship. And Supervalue, once again, calling on each and every member of the GA communities across, across the country to do what they can to make their community more diverse and inclusive. David, how are you doing?
1: Very well, Adrian. Thanks for having uh, me on.
0: Thanks, William, for jumping on and for the patience in the background as well, that nobody else would be aware of. So, so thanks, William, for all of that. How are you? Um, a, a big game of the weekend. Uh, nice media campaign jumped into the middle of that. Pride is going on. It's uh, mayhem for you at the minute.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's been a pretty hectic week um, between getting the appointment, um, training with, with the Elite Championship referees um, on Tuesday night, preparing for the weekend, watching clips, meeting umpires. At um, uh, this media campaign, which I'm I'm totally devoted to, and I've I put my myself fully behind with with Super Value leading into Pride on Saturday, and then of course um, culminating on Sunday. And if Sunday doesn't go right, well, everything else in the week in the build up would be blamed uh, as a result of it. So you know, fingers crossed. Uh, we're, we're out there on Sunday evening doing the best we can and and get safely across the line.
0: What's involved in like you just mentioned there, the Tuesday night session with the elite referees and the watching clips and stuff? What what's going on
1: there? So we would arrive generally in Abbottstown around five, quarter past five. Um, if you need to uh, see the physio beforehand or get strapped up, we do that. We're on the pitch for five to six to start training at six with Dr. Aidan Brady. Warm up a fairly intense set of uh, high intensity interval training sprints that lasts for about an hour. Um, a cool down. Um, the training is um, literally hands on, uh, head bent over, gasping for air kind of. Uh, putting us through our paces to make sure that we're able to cover the 11, 11.2, I believe, is the average kilometres we run now in a match inside in Croke Park on, on a championship day. That finishes up, we go in and have a quick meal together and then it's upstairs for 8 o'clock um, to be briefed by the referees committee and national match official managers um, in relation to clips for the previous couple of weekends, so maybe provincial finals and and Cup matches, um, just teasing out little technicalities and rules, um, how decisions were made, um, communication, uh, game management. And there's a lot goes in into those seminars. But we're a very, very tight-knit bunch of 16 elite referees. And what I generally, what I really feel that refereeing within Gaelic football certainly is at the best and highest level it's ever been at.
0: And has it has it room to go, David? Like, cause it's obviously one of these things that always crops up and rightly or wrongly, there's a decision that goes in a game no matter how much prep you've done and suddenly the, the spotlight comes back in it. Has it, in terms of, I, I don't think anybody would disagree with that point that it's probably at the highest it's ever been, has it room to go?
1: Oh, it, there's always room for improvement. Like any player that goes out onto the pitch who knows that they're not going to have the perfect game. Referees are not going to have the perfect game so they miss scores wide they have incomplete passes, foul missed tackles. We're not going to have the the, the, the perfect game either. The key for us is to get the big key game decisions right um, and to make sure that any sending off carding, goal scoring or scoring opportunities that you know that, that they're dealt with properly. We don't want to be getting key game decisions wrong. And, but, but there is there's always room for improvement in, in every game. But we're slowly getting there, I mean, it is at the, the finer end of the championship. You know, it is small, little details, small things. And um, but we are in a good place at the moment, and I can't think of any high-profile, you know, refereeing decision within the football championship over the last couple, couple of weeks that has drawn any undue attention on, on on refereeing during the summer. Has the black
0: card helped tidy up some of that stuff in terms of the general culture of cynical fouling, or what's your view? Uh, on that? Absolutely, it it
1: has. Um, it, and let me be specific about this it has uh, cleaned up certain types of foul um, from our game like the Dipper, the Liber body collide the pull downs and the trips they they're almost eradicated from from the game what we are now seeing i suppose is the cuter players and coaches and managers finding areas to still cynically foul that are not covered in the prescriptive language of the the rule. So in other words, we know that players are fouling cynically, but that our hands are tied because it does not fit the terminology or language of the rule. Therefore, we cannot give the black card or potentially in that goal scoring area, the black card and the penalty. So it it still needs a tweaking. We need to move away from the language, the very prescriptive language of, oh, there are only three cynical fouls again and they're a trip, a pull down, uh, and a body collide. We know that's not true. So we need to move away from that just to say any type of cynical play that's deemed cynical by the referee, well, that results in a black card and that results in a black card and a penalty if it's inside uh, a certain area and denies a goal scoring opportunity.
0: That makes total sense. Like, absolute sense. Now, like, sense and the overall theme of democracy around the GA and all that sort of stuff maybe don't always go together, but. What you're what you're describing there, because we see it all the time, where a referee has to give out. Everybody knows you're giving out maybe a yellow card, you know, or maybe it's not quite warranted a yellow card, but maybe not, you know, it doesn't exactly fit the rules of a black cards. Everybody everybody knows it's the exact same intention, but you just can't deal with it in the way that you might like.
1: Absolutely, and we're now in a farcical situation in in the GAA where if players coming into a goal scoring opportunity, you're better off nearly to commit a red card infraction and give away the free if it's outside the, the um, penalty area uh, and get your red card rather than getting a black card and giving away a penalty, you know, which is a farcical situation that a, a more serious foul receives a lesser, lesser sanction. And uh, we need to move with the times and just eradicate that prescriptive language and just go back to saying any type of cynical play that, that the referee does see, deems cynical is a black card. And, and that's end of story. Just on
0: on the video clips that you mentioned as well, David, so are you watching, are they just like general clips for the room to say, here's how we're currently looking at this thing or either within that or separately? Are you looking at any video clips from, for example, like Kerry Mayo games? And I know you won't be too specific in this chat and that's absolutely fine. But are you looking at specific video clips from teams from this season to see what you might sort of stuff you might be dealing with?
1: No, absolutely not. So we would always deal with clips that have gone on um, previously in relation to, we might be looking at a deliberate trip or what we deem to be rough play or how we're dealing with a body collide and what is a body collide or how we're dealing with head high tackles and where is the fine line between a yellow card and a red card. Certainly the GA uh, um, or myself, and I don't think they should ever go down this road, of of pre-empting matches and doing video analysis of teams uh, before you go out. I firmly believe, like uh, being a teacher in September, that every child comes in with a clean slate into your classroom, that there's no hangover from the year before, Mm. that both teams that I'll see on Sunday um, come out onto the field with a fair and, and equitable opportunity to win that game without any preconceived ideas being landed in subconsciously for me.
0: What about like the idea of, are you in contact with the teams at any point during the week or is that all on the day?
1: No, I, I have no contact with the teams at all. I get to see the secretaries of the county boards 40 minutes before the match when they hand me in the team list. That is the only contact I have have with teams. Even at the, the toss of the coin, where you might often see referees talking to players beforehand. I would never speak to a player about how they should play a game like it. It would be completely egotistical of me to turn around and tell them how they should play Gaelic football. They just know it's David Goff. He's going to implement the rules that are that are set out, and that's it. And I don't like the idea of, you know, setting out your stall beforehand to the teams because it puts you in an awkward position that if what you have set out actually happens but well, then your hands are tied and you don't want a captain of a team saying you said to us at the start of the game that you were going to do X if you saw this and, and then you don't follow through on it so you know leave them at it they're well capable of playing football and they don't, need, they don't need me to tell them what to do The, the, the reason
0: I was asking was Dahi Regan on our um, GA late night Twitter spaces last Sunday night was just talking about the idea of rugby where uh, and look at the uh, cross-sport comparisons, I'm sure at times makes you throw your eyes up to heaven, but that aspect of being able to communicate with the team in advance and say, okay, this week, you know, I'm going to be watching out for this, that and the other, like that clarity. I know that players, rugby players would generally speak about like that clarity being important to them, being able to develop their game plan and stuff like that. But that's not your, you think, not appropriate for GA.
1: No, I, I don't mind cross cross um, sport comparisons. We have a lot to learn, and particularly from the like of rugby, we have a huge amount to learn, and the way referees interact with with, with players, um, and, and and managers. But sometimes it's lost in the fact that they're professionals, and that is their their job. That is what they are paid to do, and they have um, um, exhaustive training and supports to make sure that what they're saying, and what they're doing, and the language they're using, and the respect levels that are there—it's uh, not the same in GA where volunteers. I'm sitting here in my office in in my school in in Inchicore. Like I, I work, you know, a good nine, maybe eight to five every day here in the school. So, I mean, that is my daily job. Refereeing is something I do on a voluntary basis. Uh, on behalf of the GA when I have the time. So, I, I mean, I don't see it just at the moment being in a place where, where, where that's possible just yet.
0: Would it help if referees were professional?
1: Um, it would help um, in so far as creating a professional body within the organisation. I don't know whether I'd like to go down the professional route. Um, I don't know. I feel, I certainly feel to a certain Uh, The GA does a huge amount to support us as elite panel referees and we do prepare ourselves as well as as we possibly can. Would I like to be a professional referee? It'd be a nice nice lifestyle, Um, but I'm not sure at this stage it's appropriate for the GA to go down that route
0: just as you were chatting there as well another comment that came to mind was i think it was paddy andrews on uh on the football pod a few months back and he was talking about i can't remember it there was obviously it must have been some sort of a controversial decision somewhere but he was talking about and you mentioned it, that's what triggered it off that idea of respect between the referee and the player and he was saying the thing that always worked best for him and and uh was that idea that a foul was given And the referee would say, right, Paddy, that's given because... And everybody would move on. And the thing that used to drive them light was when a free would be given and the referee would be like, listen... Uh, back off, free is given. Let's carry on. What's your style? Are you uh, you you there to communicate with them and let them know what's happening? Or what's- oh, I'm all for
1: communication. I think that that comes down to experience and game game management. I understand from playing the game that if free was given, I'd like to know why it was given. And 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 look, at, you say you give your answer to a player, and sometimes they um, might not like the answer they get. More often than not, they're not going to agree with it. But there's only one way you can you can give that answer there and then because the game needs to move on so they have to respect well this is what he has seen. this is why he's given the free and just move on with it there is no way that we're going to overturn a decision having seen it linked it to a rule blown a whistle pointed the direction of the free told the player what the, what the free is for and then they're going to start arguing I mean I've done six things there in the space of a couple of seconds to uh, underpin the fact that I, I felt it, it's been a foul so the mindset change there is just not going to happen
0: where are you at now at this point of the week ahead of the game at the weekend do you start to get a bit nervous or you're nice and relaxed you're getting your prep done or yeah where are you at in headspace yeah
1: I, I, a little bit nervous talking to a couple of the officials that I had uh, that I will have should I say on the line on Sunday met them Tuesday night I'll be meeting the umpires tonight to talk through a couple of clips from from the seminar we'll sit down and have a look a bit of a discussion work out the logistics some people don't realise this that you know we have to get to the venue ourselves it's going to be a full uh, packed house and crow park We have to work around the traffic management plan there. There's no buses or Garda escorts for us into the venue. So we work out our logistics and also our post match meal, um, making sure everyone has their gear organised, just small things um, to make sure uh, the communication is open with any issues during the week. And um, just, you know, a light run uh, this evening, another light run tomorrow evening, and that's it for me. You know, nothing major. Um, obviously, with Pride, it's thrown in the extra bit of pressure this week with the couple of media um, uh, sort of commitments that I have. Um, I will go to the GPA breakfast uh, the morning of Pride and, and attend the start of the Pride march, but I'm not going to go down through the whole, the whole Pride march uh, the day before a game. I, there's just too much um, excitement, nervousness, energy there, and I just want to be at home relaxing the day before a big game. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at.
0: Keep the focus on yeah, that's fair enough. Um, we had Andy McIntyre in studio last week. He was chatting, obviously, your fellow county man about um been been gone from the job, and there's been a lot made, obviously, about the abuse that he was getting, and uh, he went into detail about the letters and the nature of them and the personal nature of them, I suppose. And you are on the record yourself mm-hmm. previously about stuff, probably more on the pitch almost from the fans, David, that were unhappy with. Um, the there was the McManaman shoulder, obviously in 2016, and you'd spoken about that before as well. What's your experience of that? Are you is that something as a referee? Because obviously you tend to be that lightning rod for fans who are disgruntled for a lot of reasons that might be out of your control. But are you
1: getting any? Um, is that something that you get in your gig? It, it, it's funny, like when you're talking about Andy there. Well, I suppose it's not funny. It's it, it, it's just strange um, the comparison um, because uh, I mean, no matter what decision I make, I'm going to manage to annoy one half of the crowd there in the stadium um, on Sunday. Andy certainly would have had the support of his teammates um, around him and a county board and a county to 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 a greater extent. We generally don't have that. We don't have that support, and we're far too often put in the media spotlight for making a mistake we don't intend to make and and then we're, we are lambasted um, because of it. And like Andy, I would have suffered uh, on various occasions throughout my career, social media abuse, abuse from the stands and the letters that come to the house um, or, and sometimes to work. Um, and it, they're unsavoury, uh, they're unwarranted and they're unwelcome. And uh, I, I, when I heard Andy speak about his... Um, uh, and the players speak about about the type of abuse that was thrown at him and you kind of wonder to yourself why would we do it you know, only one manager is ever going to win the All-Ireland Football Championship in any year, we now have the and Cup of course, that's going to be um, 32 other unsuccessful managers that didn't achieve glory uh, in the Championship this year, they're not you know, I mean he was six years at the helm, he did a great job and if his term has come to an end, it's come to an end. You don't need the vitriol and the abuse and and, and the level of of um, language uh, that was thrown at him. Because I mean, we go out, managers and, and and in particular referees, show our love of the game in the most difficult way possible. You know, and I would often say that as a referee, like I volunteer my time to referee at Gaelic games. I get no thanks for it. Um, if I am on the back page of the Sunday independent or Monday, should I say Monday, um, independent Monday morning, it's not because David Goff has done a good job. And people would say, oh, that fella always wants to be the limelight. He also wants to be, he always wants to be in the spotlight. I don't. If I'm in the spotlight because of refereeing, it's because I've done something wrong. Nobody's ever putting me on the back page saying David Goff is brilliant. No, it's David Goff has made a balls out of something. That's the only reason the spotlight is Sean us. So it's a very difficult position to, to be in. And I have huge empathy for uh, Anthony and what he's uh, uh, and had to go through.
0: Yeah. But, um, geez, sending stuff to the, to the school, to your workplace is another level of bonkers.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's another level of crazy. And you'd have to wonder how um, angry these people are to sit down, write a letter, find out where you work, Post it to your work the next day, so they're getting up the next morning and still, you know, seething over something that perceived slight that that I have done. And sometimes you'd have to wonder what what are they watching? I, I'm in front of maybe seven different cameras inside in Croke Park, eighty thousand people. Do they really think I can afford to be biased against a team? Like everyone's going to be watching. You know, it, it, it's just it's it's laughable at times when you when you when you boil it down to it, it's in simplistic terms. I asked Andy if there was like times where he just
0: he knows he can tell the letter and he just crunches it up and put put it in the bin. I think by and large he was saying that he
1: would he would read them. What about you? Yeah, always would. They would um, they 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 have to come to the home house in, in in my home in Dublin, but they certainly go to my parents' house, to the GA club at home, and, and to work. And um, I would always read them, um, but. I would wait until my umpires or at least my father, my brother were in the house, my uncle um, would probably, you know, pour a glass of whiskey, sit down and have a laugh over them. And that's the only way to deal with it. They wouldn't be read on my own. They'd be read with everyone. And we make light of them because that's the only thing you can do with them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's probably the right way to treat it and sending out that message is no harm either. What um, just the last one on that, just because you mentioned obviously about the media spotlight, is there anything that can be done about that? Is there is there some way to, like, for, I don't know if you guys do an interviews post-match is necessarily the right way to go about it either, but is there some way to head that off the past, do you think? Or?
1: Uh, yeah, interviews post-match are just not a thing. There's far too many emotions. Um, you're physically drained, mentally drained, um, that's just a full week of build up and then you know 70 or 80 minutes of the match beforehand it's, it's not a good environment to be you know uh, approaching referees particularly because we've only had one look at things um, sometimes more often than not we're going to get the decision right but the day will come where you know he didn't get it right and now we're going to have to explain ourselves so it's not a, it's not a good environment post-match um, I do feel maybe a greater awareness and understanding around the rules of the game would help this. Um, an awful lot of analysts, pundits, uh, media personnel actually don't know the rules of the game. So, what we're implementing actually, we might be implementing correctly. And it's a, it's a, an ignorance or a lack of knowledge of the rules that's caused confusion. So, that would be a huge, huge thing. I, I really have felt for years that the GA needed to come together with RT and, you know, take a slot. For ten minutes or five minutes in the Sunday game, and go through one or two rules every week, so that people actually understand what the rule says and how it manifests itself on the field.
0: Or get ahead of it, like after the game, if there's something controversial, where like an email to various sports departments saying, "Listen, just just so you know, in case this comes up," like that doesn't need to be coming from you. That can be coming from.
1: Um, Absolutely, that could come from a match official's manager inside yes. in Crow Park. But again, the danger is always there. At some stage, he's going to have to turn around and send the email saying, "Well, look, if this happened. He actually did get it wrong." You know, yeah, and that's that's, that's a difficult yeah. position for for, for yeah. Crow Park to put themselves in as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. Kamara, I did want to give the context of the chat that we're having today. I did want to ask you about Nick McCarthy, and like it felt like another staging post almost last week when he felt the need to make everybody publicly aware of a sexuality. It feels like, uh, certainly I know the point was made on our show last week, that it'd be great to be in a position where this doesn't need to happen. But at the same time, an important
1: staging post absolutely isn 't it fantastic now we're at the stage in the last two years where we've two rugby players coming out as 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 bisexual and, and gay within within leinster rugby and I, I think the the environment is there now in the gaA um, for for the same thing to happen for people if they feel they want to express their sexuality that um, for the first time ever. Um, we have the GPA walking in pride uh, on Saturday morning and we're having allies from the 32 counties walk in pride. And that's absolutely fantastic to see that happen. They're going to walk with Niguel Erica and Erica Olive, which are the the, um, the two LGBT um, defying clubs within, within Gaelic Games, one in Dublin and one in Belfast. And that's all coming together underneath the GA's uh, March in Pride. And I think that's fantastic. And I hope... I hope that, that that news from last week inside in, in Leinster spurs on a bigger conversation within the GAA and creates the environments where other people within within the Gaelic Games community, particularly at intercounty level, feel comfortable to come out within a safe environment and become those role models that young people are calling out for at the moment. Yeah.
0: OK, we'll look at have a new front and centre uh, with chats like this, I think helps as well. So, listen, thanks really for jumping on. All part of Super Values community includes everyone. You can check out that hashtag uh, campaign. David Goff, best of luck at the weekend. Thanks a million.
1: Thanks, Adrian. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with Exfoliating Bar.